Good morning, friends. Uh, today's message I want to share with you is Living a Christmas Life. It's based on Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It's the message that I delivered Sunday at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Mineral Wells, Texas. Each year, as I watch Christmas programs and holiday specials, I try to keep a mental count of all of the different ways people say that's what Christmas is all about. You know, like things like being with family, that's what Christmas is all about. Helping the poor, that's what Christmas is all about. Spreading cheer, that's what Christmas is all about. Well, my favorite comes from Jay Leno's book of headlines. An advertisement placed by the Center for Dental Implants states, The gift of chewing is what the holidays are all about. Well, the truth is I value the gift of chewing, and as wonderful as it is, it's not the reason for the season. So what is the reason for the season? Well, the short answer, of course, is Jesus. We all know that. But my question this morning is, why did God orchestrate the Christmas event like he did, with Mary and Joseph and the angel and the star and the wise men and the shepherds with their flocks and the heavenly host? Why did God do it exactly that way? Well, we're beginning a new series that will not even come close to answering that question because it could never be fully answered in a sermon series or even in a book series. However, the series we're going to start today will look at the events in the Christmas story and we'll seek to discover the message in each event that God is teaching us about not only the meaning of Christmas, but the meaning of life. And this series is all about how Jesus meets you in every moment of your life. The Christmas story, we're going to begin on this first Sunday in Advent, it begins in the most inauspicious way imaginable. A young Jewish girl who's pledged to be married is going about her business, preparing to start a new life with her new husband, and an angel comes to her. It begins this way, in the sixth month. Now, the sixth month refers to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, and Luke had just finished telling her, story. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel, and so the Christmas story begins. In Mary's story, we see an example of the life that God is calling all of us to, the Christmas kind of life. Well, this Christmas life is calling you, and it is up to you to respond. God called Mary to a once-in-a-history task. In the very same way, he calls you and me to a task. And Mary is the ultimate example of what it means to be used by God in a great way. Today we're going to take a look and see what we can learn from her story. The first thing I want you to see is that God calls you to a life of courage. The angel came to Mary and said, You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And notice what the Bible says in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, the more I read the Christmas story, the more I read particularly this passage, the more humor I find in this statement. The angel of the Lord says, you are favored, God is with you. And you know, she finds that troubling. Well, I think Mary had the wisdom to know that God was about to call on her to do something big, something that would require a great deal of faith and a great deal of obedience. She knew that when God chooses to use one of his people, there's a cost involved, and it troubled her. It reminds me of what Tevia said in Fiddler on the Roof. I know we are your chosen people, but once in a while, 
Can't you choose someone else? Well, friends, when God calls you, he doesn't call you into an easy life. He calls you into a challenging life, a life that can sometimes be downright difficult. If you're going to respond to the call of God on your life, the first thing you will need is courage, because you're going to face some real challenges. In verse 30, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, or fear not. Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, I don't know if you know the answer to this trivia question, but how many times in the Bible does it say, Fear not, or do not be afraid? The answer, 365 times. One for every day of the year. I don't think that's a coincidence, because if you want to answer God's call in your life, you're going to need to learn to conquer fear on a daily basis. The fear of embarrassment, the fear of humiliation, the fear of being talked about or being criticized or being mocked, the fear of missing out or being hurt, the fear of being poor, or the fear of being rejected or being a failure, the fear of opposition, the fear of persecution. I could go on and on and probably name all 365 because people who aspire to live a great life in God face every type of fear. That's why God begins so many conversations with his people with, do not be afraid, fear not. You have a choice to make, choose fear or choose courage. Now some of you might say, are you crazy? How can I choose to not be afraid? Fear is, is, is an emotion too powerful to change. How am I supposed to suddenly feel courageous? Well, here's the distinction. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, is an emotion. It's a powerful emotion. We all know that. But we make the mistake in thinking that courage, too, is an emotion. It's not. Courage is an action. You can be courageous no matter how you feel because courage is defined by what you do. John Wayne is one of my favorite um, Western actors. and I always remember something he said. It was something like this. Courage is feeling afraid and saddling up anyway. And that's exactly what Mary did. When the angel told her that she would have a child before she and Joseph were legally married, she certainly felt afraid. Afraid of what people would say. Afraid of what Joseph, her fiancé, would assume. Afraid of the reputation her child would have. Afraid of the shame she would bring on her family. Now, she could have easily given in to all of these things and done nothing, but she didn't. The first thing Mary did when God called her was to show courage. Winston Churchill said that courage is the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all the others. It's the beginning of accomplishing something great with your life. So think about two things. What dream do you have for your life? And second, what's holding you back? What are you afraid of? I would say to you the same thing the angel said to Mary in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Fear not. Well, here's the second thing I want you to see. God is calling you to a life of faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That means sometimes you and I will be called upon to take steps into the unknown with nothing more to go on than the trust we have in God's presence and his promise and his power and nothing more than that. But friends, when your faith is based on God's word, that's enough. That's all you need. The angel told Mary that she would become pregnant and she asked, How can that be since I am a virgin? 
The angel explained to her that the child would be born of the Holy Spirit, and he told her that her relative Elizabeth, who was well beyond her childbearing years, would also give birth to a son. And then he spoke a phrase upon which you can build your life. It's verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. Jesus himself would teach this principle in the years to come, at least two different times in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 9, everything is possible for him to believe, who believes. Mark 10, all things are possible with God. God is calling you to a life of miracles, a life in which you see the impossible come to life before your eyes. Now, how do you connect to this nothing is impossible lifestyle? You connect by faith. Everything is possible to him or her who believes. When the angel told Mary that she'd see the impossible take place, how did she respond? Verse 38 tells us, May it be to me as you have said. In other words, Amen. I believe it. And you know, Mary had no idea what would happen next. She had no idea how Joseph would respond, or how her parents would respond, or, or, or how the people in her community would respond. She had no idea if she would be ostracized or chased out of Nazareth and forced to raise her child as a single mom. She had no idea what she might need to do next. All she knew was that the angel of the Lord had told her in verses 31 to 33, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And guess what? Mary chose to believe it. In the same way God is calling you and me to a life of faith. He wants us to live by this principle that nothing is impossible with God and we get there through faith. As Jesus said, according to your faith it will be done for you. Faith is the bridge between an ordinary life and a life of miracles. And just as we mistake courage for an emotion, we tend to think faith is an emotion too. It's not. Faith is something you feel. It's something you do. Martin Luther King said, Faith is taking the first step, even when you can't see the whole staircase. You don't have to see the whole staircase. And you, will, you never will see the whole staircase. The life of faith compels us to take the first step, even though we don't know where the road will take us. Another way to say that God has called us to a life of faith is to say that God has called us to a life of obedience. Faith and faithfulness or obedience go hand in hand. That's because faith is not just something you feel, it's something you do. People often ask, how do I begin living a life of faith? Well, by faith you start being faithful. You start being obedient. A number of years ago a friend told me that for some time he'd been seeking God's provision for a financial problem he was facing. It had been going on for months and he was becoming frustrated because uh, the problem wasn't getting better. In fact, it seemed like it was just getting worse. Uh, one day he said that as he prayed, I'm trying to live by faith and you're not helping. He heard what I guess you'd call the voice of the Spirit speaking to him that said walking in faith means walking in faithfulness. Did you catch that? Walking in faith means walking in faithfulness. Now he said that God revealed a long list of areas in which he wasn't walking in faithfulness. He wasn't being faithful in his tithes and offerings. 
He wasn't being faithful in his church attendance. He wasn't being faithful in his Christian service. He wasn't even being faithful in his job performance. He wasn't being faithful in his thought life or in his Bible study or his prayer life. He had just been trying to conjure up these feelings of faithfulness, and God showed him that faith is something you do. By faith, we tap into the power of God. By faithfulness, we tap into the power of faith. God called Mary to a life of faith, and she demonstrated her faith in her faithfulness. There's something else in Mary's response to Gabriel that I want you to see. It's not just that she responded with an attitude of faith. Her words also reflect an attitude of surrender in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Her words here remind me of the words of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. The third lesson we discover in Mary's story is that God is calling you to a life of surrender. It's a life of submission, a, a life of yieldedness, if there's such a word as that. It's an attitude that says, God knows better than me what's best for me, and so I yield, I submit, I surrender to his will. Maybe some of you have seen the statue of Atlas, in which he is carrying the world on his shoulders and his knees are buckling. That's what so many of us try to do. We try to carry the world on our shoulders and our knees buckle under the burden. I remember back when I was in grade school, I think there was a guy by the name of Laurie London who had a song that became very popular when he sang, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. See, that's what he can do. You can try to carry the whole world on your shoulders or you can let him carry the whole world for you in his hands. When Gabriel gave the news to Mary, she was maybe 14, 15, or 16, the age when young women married in her culture. Gabriel told her that she would be given a responsibility greater than any person has ever been asked to bear. Even then, she didn't know the whole story, that she would someday see this little child beaten and spat upon and mocked and ridiculed and murdered on the outskirts of town like a common criminal. God placed a tremendous call on the life of this young woman. He gave her a responsibility that would have been too much for her to bear on her own. But she didn't have to. She was there to carry the burden. He was there to carry the burden for her. He was there because she yielded her life to his will and placed her world in his hands. Friends, the truth is that there will be things that happen in your life that are too big for you to carry on your own. After all, God's call is not small. It's big and daring and sometimes seemingly impossible. There will be things that come your way that are too big for you to carry. But if you will surrender to him, you can place your world in his hands and he will carry it for you. Living the Christian or the Christmas life. Does that phrase even make sense? It, you know, I think it does. Here's what I think it means. It means being willing to take the same path that this Jewish teenage girl took so many years ago. It means making her attitude your attitude and responding to God's call on your life the way that she responded to God's call on her life. It means having an attitude of courage. You don't have to be afraid because you have found favor with God. It means having an attitude of faith that is impossible with God. It means having an attitude of surrender 
so that you can say like Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I don't know if you know the name William Booth, but over 150 years ago, William Booth started the Salvation Army. It all started kind of based on a simple statement that William Booth said. He said, from the day that I got the poor of London on my heart and caught a vision of what Jesus could do with them, I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth there was. You know, that's the Christmas kind of life. That's the key to living a great life in God. A life of courage, a life of faith, a life of surrender. May God bless all of us in that pursuit. And until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion. God bless, friends.